0: You are listening to the Abundant Life podcast from Rolling Hills Church in Topeka, Kansas. In this podcast, join with us as we discover what it means to practice the way of Jesus together, discuss time tested practices to live as apprentices of Jesus, and what life is like in the kingdom of God. Our prayer is that this podcast will assist you in the transformation process to become like Christ and to discover the abundant life. Well, hey, everyone. I am so excited that you're taking the time to check out the Abundant Life podcast. My name is Matt, and I am the teaching and vision pastor here at Rolling Hills Church in Topeka, Kansas. And let me share with you what we are doing in our time together today. What we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at a message that has been preached over the last couple weeks here at Rolling Hills. We kind of took a week off in our... Uh, podcast, but we've been looking at a series called Manifesto, Life in the Kingdom of God, where we are essentially just walking section by section of Jesus's most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. We find this in the book of Matthew in chapters 5, 6, and 7, and we see Jesus gathering his disciples and his followers to introduce his manifesto for a whole new way to be human in the kingdom of God in his in this sermon, Sermon on the Mount. Contrary to popular belief, Jesus's central theme of teachings wasn't service, it wasn't community, it wasn't even love. It was the kingdom of God. But what is the kingdom? And what we've been describing the kingdom of God and under our understanding of scripture is that it is a present reality, but also it is a future hope. And so how will the kingdom of God reshape our life from the ground up? And if you haven't had the chance yet, we'd encourage you to go listen to these messages to either be a part of the conversation better in our podcast or if you just need a refresher, you can always visit our website at rhcctopeka.org slash messages and you can listen to any of the messages in this series called Manifesto. Today I have with us the privilege of having F- Ben Royer, our family pastor with us today. It's good to have you, Ben.
1: Hey, Matt, thanks for uh, letting me be a part of it. Um... I was part of episode one, or the preamble, I guess you would say, and I'm back, so that's a good sign you for me. You are
0: back, back again. And so, <laughs> What's up? Yeah, so I am excited to have the, con- the conversation with you. Um, you obviously have kind of been in the conversation of this message series, seeing it in, in development, as well as seeing it get executed on Sunday. We've yes. had numerous conversations um in between the Sundays and so as we said uh, just a couple moments ago we we have not had a podcast for the last couple of weeks because really we've been looking at a certain portion of scripture where we see matthew five twenty one through verse 48 where jesus is laying out some new things for us to consider we've we've walked through the beatitudes this wild intro of mm-hmm. blessing of these types of people that would not necessarily be blessed in the world yep but we see them blessed in the kingdom of God. We see Jesus then setting up this idea of, of of the law and like how he believes in the Bible and the scriptures and how they are to be used and how essentially how we are to allow that into our life. And then he starts this whole conversation of these illustrations. And so for those who are hearing this, uh, in the first century, they let's just look at Matthew five twenty real quick, sure. we, as to kind of get us started here. He, Jesus makes this obscure comment. says, "For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, or maybe your version says scribes, mm-hmm. you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven." And so, again, f- those hearing this on the first century, this would have been thought of to be unheard of. Nobody would ever have the who would have the ability to surpass the righteousness of the teachers and the religious leaders of the time. It would be like somebody to say, hey Ben, unless your righteousness surpasses that of Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or insert some f- former saint, uh, you're never going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so what Jesus is helping us understand is that unless you move past the religion, past the list of do's and don'ts, Mm -hmm. this surface level of righteousness, which is really about behavior and no more, and we need to be remembered. Remember, Jesus is not saying behavior doesn't matter, but what we need to realize is that Jesus is saying that we're talking about righteousness on a whole nother level. This is beyond the surface level of righteousness, of behavior modification. It's at the heart level. And so the first crowd, or the first century crowd, who is sitting down on the mountain, hearing Jesus say these words, uh, that have they've heard things like, uh, you, "Those of you who are born spirit, blessed are you, because the kingdom of God is yours now." You, you know that they're merciful and that they'll be shown mercy, and that they're going to be going and, and you know to be, you know, as Jesus, we, you know, they've got to be going. Jesus, yeah. we don't get this. This is. Different than what we've heard scriptures explained. And I'm assuming, I'm assuming up until this point, they've been thinking that they're pretty decent people. Sure. Based on external actions. And what does Jesus do?
1: He them check their heart.
0: Checks their heart. He shifts the game, right? That's absolutely the, the Pharisees used or were known for using guilt and fear as motivators of the Israel people. But what Jesus is now beginning to do is inviting people to interact with God, to experience union with God based on joy and delight, that they might actually know him, not through external obedience, but through internal relationship through his Holy Spirit. Essentially, inviting them to a transformed life that happens first in our inner being, that a, that conforms and transforms our external life. And so what Jesus then does through verses 21 through 48 is he looks at essentially like six case studies of this new kind of righteousness that he's after kind of a kind of forewarning you he's he's going to address anger lust divorce you know oaths revenge hate and what Jesus is essentially doing is relaying to us interpretations of what you've heard it said these those are kind of Jesus's famous words you've heard it said yeah. but then he quotes an old piece of scripture or an interpretation of scripture. And then he says, But I say to you. And what he's doing is he's kind of reliving this or re explaining what being a good person really is. Uh, the Greek word for this would be decaosune. Mm-hmm. And it's really essentially that of being a really good person. And so once again, he's going, We've got to move past religion, the do's and don'ts, the surface level righteousness that's all about behavior modification. Because that behavior modification is going to happen mm-hmm. when the inner being changes. Because when you only focus on the behavior and the external actions, you're operating on your own willpower. And so Jesus then helps us understand through these six case studies, which we're not going to look at extensively. Uh, not even We're not even really going to look at them today in our conversation but they he's need helping to watch
1: your sermons for goodness sake there, there go. so there's good. a shameless plug yes. they, i mean seriously i mean you've like um, you've set it up for us to to live this life to remind us of remind myself of the trials and tribulations that i went through trying to battle religion my whole life right so um when i was first saved believe it or not um, for the listeners out there, I'm as bald as bald can get. But when I was 16, I had a glorious head of hair, Matt. Just, that would have been awesome to was, see. It was bright blue at this time. Oh, okay? my goodness. It just blue as— That's you were a 90s baby. I am a 90s baby. Kurt Cobain was my hero. <laughs> and um, I just recently been saved. And um, and I was sitting—we sat in the JCPenney's parking lot so this is 1994, okay, no internet net people, and our fun was sitting at the J.C. Penney's parking lot. Everyone from high school sat there, and this minister came through evangelizing, and he picked me out of the crowd, and I had just been saved, okay, and I literally had my Bible sitting from J.C. Penney's parking lot trying to understand, okay. He comes up to me, and he goes, you're going to hell, and I said, excuse me, he said, no one who looks like you look would ever go to heaven. Wow. And I, for the first time in my life, first time in my life, I felt the presence of God saying, this is not how it's supposed to be. Mm. And so when you're laying out being righteous and how you look and how you act and being part, being better than the Pharisee, right? I was scared of church my whole life because I always felt like what you're saying. I was never good enough. I was never special enough. I was a military kid who grew up in basically a broken home, and I had blue hair, Hmm. trying to figure things out. I was saved. I accepted Christ, but I had no direction, right? I was a boat with a giant sail and whoever— If a snake handler got a hold of me, I probably would become a snake handler, okay? I was... Thank goodness that did not happen. No, that did not happen, disclosure. But I was just seeking, and Mm. this guy comes up and says, by the way you look, you're not good enough. Mm. And I remember feeling from God, this is not how this is supposed to be. And that was my call into ministry, believe it or not, where Mm. I was like, I can do better.
0: Wow. And here we are 30 years later, you're a family pastor. Yeah. And that to me, once again, breaks my heart to hear because I think that's what Jesus is getting at is going, it's not the external appearance. It's not the external actions. I want to get at the heart. You know, I think of the story of Samuel, the prophet who... Essentially, he's looking for the next king of Israel, Mm -hmm. you know, King Saul, the first king, screwed up. God says, you need to go find another one, go point and anoint another one. Mm -hmm. And he's essentially looking for King David, but he doesn't know that. And he gets to David's house, the house of Jesse, and he looks at all his brothers, and all of them externally look great. And God reminds him, he's saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, you look at the outward appearance, but I judge the man on by his heart. Absolutely. And Jesus again is reiterating this: is that, okay, great, you didn't commit murder, but. You're holding on to anger and contempt and Mm -hmm. using venomous language. You're just as guilty as the person who actually stabbed someone else, (laughs) right? Or shot somebody else. Same thing with lust. Just because Mm -hmm. you didn't have sex with that girl that you thought you might have wanted to, you actually already did that in your heart based on the way that you fantasized after her or wanted her or or him. Mm -hmm. You know, he goes in even further with some of the, with the ideas of like revenge and hate and these things that the world tells us that if someone harms you or hurts you, you gotta, got to you you're considered a good person at least in the first century if you equally give them the right the same amount of pain back. Yeah, for sure. You're wrong if you you know if they break your arm and you break their leg and their arm. Now you're in the wrong, and you should expect your leg to be broken here soon. But <laughs> Jesus, yeah, Jesus is saying we got to move. We're moving past this because it's not about the external action. Okay, great, you didn't do those things. I'm gonna I'm to up the ante, not in a law, yeah. but in a way that the heart changes that you fulfill the law, which kind of sets us up for this like very last line in this all, all the six of these teachings. Mm-hmm. You know, this decay Jesus is giving us here is space to pick up how we are we are his subject matter, we are his creation, and how we should treat other parts of his creation mm. he's really getting at a deeper level and so he ends this teaching of these six statements with a line that perplexed me and I, maybe it's perplexed some of our listeners and others and he says this in verse 48 be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect ben what what yeah, i'm assuming you've heard this verse before no, like what are some what like your initial thoughts when you first maybe read that What were you thinking when you hear be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect?
1: So I think in our hearts that we always need to strive to be as close to Jesus and close as God as possible, right? We are always, always, always going to fall short of perfection. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian. We all have our flaws. We all have our foibles. But I tell you, every day I try to get better. And I remember... um, uh, I'm, I keep going back because I dealt with a lot of anger when I was first saved, a lot of um, disappointment in my life. And I remember being wronged by someone in the church when I was just getting started. And and I I sat through the whole sermon thinking and fantasizing the ways that I was going to beat him up in the parking lot. Hmm. I was not there, right? And And my anger... God had to cleanse me of that. And the only way that I was able to be released from my anger, um, like when I was younger, Matt, you wouldn't be- believe this, I would just walk up to someone in the hallways of school and just say, let's go. And just, I wanted to feel something. And I would just start fighting people hmm. just because I wanted to feel right. And so for me, growing closer to God and growing more perfect with God is that I had to get rid of that anger. I had to get rid of that jealousy. I had to get rid of that lust. I had to get I had to stop making promises like God, if you if you do this for me, I'll do that for you, right? That is not being perfect. That is me trying to rub a genie's belly and getting wishes and and that was not what I needed. And I had a wake up call that I just need to let it go and you've talked a lot about how you let go of depression and how God just just manifest his love in your life with that for me it was anger and how am i going to turn this this past hurts in my life these scars these these pains into benefits and so i often tell people let your trials become your testimony. And I hope that I am a walking testimony for Jesus Christ by showing, like, he can take a broken person, help them. And and this is a, this is such an important part of Scripture because I got a hold of this. And re, in Revelation 2, it says, remember how far you have fallen, okay? And i need to remind myself of that every day of who i used to be and who how i don't want to be that person anymore the only way i can achieve that is remember how far that i have fallen and how far god has brought me back up and has picked me up and has lifted me and has put me in a place where i can help others with anger lust whatever it may be because i remember how broken i was at one point in my life and the only way that i was able to conquer this was because I just want to be closer to God. I want to do God. I want to make God so proud. When I get to heaven, I want to hear well done. Yeah. Well done. And I'm not doing it for works. Not at all. That My love for Jesus, I hope people can see it because I remember how broken and and how much pain I used to be in and the only way that I was able to achieve this was getting closer to God and trying to be more perfect and more walk in line with my rabbi and this is such an important sermon series you know I in your sermon you were talking about less than an example right and so I've always been when I walk in the mall Matt I'm a heads down type of guy okay I just try to avoid it. I try to avoid the temptation. Boom, heads down, because you never know, you know. And so, when when you're bringing up the point, it's like, hey, you know, just walk with confidence. And I hope I'm a better person, that I don't have to be fearful that I'm going to, like, my eyes are going to stray, because I'm human, and, but... I want to get more and more perfect, and I want to walk with my eyes up instead of to the ground.
0: Sure, and I think that walking with confidence piece to kind of reiterate that is not a confidence in you and what your ability is; it's the confidence in who God has transformed you and is continuing to transform and mature you into the person that is more that uh, that is more like a citizen of the kingdom of God rather than a citizen of this world. And Absolutely. so. Uh, you know for me when i read that verse in matthew 5:48 and begin to do a word study on, on that the word perfect teleos um when you look at the definition perfect is one of the meanings but the more commonly used meaning is brought to its end or completeness or wholeness mm-hmm. and so another way to understand what jesus is saying he's not saying hey cool i've given you now six more laws that <laughs> you need to follow yeah don't screw this up but actually go and be perfect he's not saying that he's actually saying hey, I want to invite you Mm -hmm. to grow and to mature into the type of person that is already embodied in me and our Heavenly Father so that you too can be completely mature and whole as you were designed to be. And so, again, it's not a command, but this is rather an invitation to grow into the type of person who is more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, when thinking about your story and the desire of... You know to be purged of anger mm-hmm. this was obviously not something that you could do in your willpower there was a piece of it I'm assuming that you surrendered that you were aware of that there's obviously a role that you have to play in dealing with that anger Absolutely. but there's also a role of coming to God and experiencing his love again and again and again your reminder of how far you've fallen is not shame or guilt or condemnation no what it is is my story has been redeemed by the redeemer right absolutely and so jesus then says to his followers because you're living as followers as citizens of the kingdom have a, this kind of wholeness, of full functionality, that our God, our heavenly Father has, and so w- He brings this contrast to completion after His exposition of these six types of um, illustrations of the kind of person who goes hand in hand with the eternal love of God. And we talked about that. We, you know, love in the English language really diminishes. Uh, the word itself, love, diminishes right. its actual meaning. And in, in the Greek and many other languages, there's multiple different different types of way to say love. Like we say, "I love pizza," mm-hmm. and "I love my wife." There's obviously different degrees of love. And so the the deepest uh, part of, I guess, of love, this unconditional mm-hmm. love, what we see that God ex- exemplifies over the course of history, and maybe even even in our own life, is called agape love right there's yeah, multiple absolutely. different types of you know there's eros there's the phileo there's agape eros mm. being you know erratic we're not <laughs> going to talk about that today No phileo um, which would be like your brotherly love that's why we get the town or the city uh, yeah. Philadelphia the, mm. the, the the city of brotherly love and, and which throw
1: batteries at Santa Claus
0: yeah yeah that's that's a, they probably need to go back to the brotherly <laughs> love and their the roots but in that is We see God being this unconditional love. No matter who you are, what you've done, I will always love and pursue you. And we see that in the story of the prodigal son. But this is the completion that he is after in each one of us, is that we would embody God's love here on earth. And so what do we know about love? Well, love does not illustrate. It simply is the goodness that is beyond that of what maybe even the first century saw of the Pharisees and the scribes. And these illustrations Jesus gives in various situations are simply that, illustrations of a heavenly type of love, the love of God. And at the end of these two weeks, I made a comment to our church, and it probably might be true to those who are listening that don't worship at Rolling Hills, and that's, once again, we're so glad that you're following along with us in this podcast but is that i i feel that there are many in our churches today that have n- have yet to truly experience the love of god mm. i think there are some that like the idea logically and with information of the idea of being saved from our sins sure but does not fully comprehend that because they've yet to fully Experience the love of God. I, for me, one of the first experiences that I remember having, I was 26, 27, so well over a decade ago to age myself for our audience here. But in that was, um, we're coming to Easter. I was before I was even in ministry. We're coming to Easter, and, um, it hit me like a ton of bricks thinking about the actual, um, chain of events that took place of Jesus getting to the cross mm-hmm. and him dying. And that baffled me at a very deep soul level. It was one of the first deep contemplations that I ever had to wrestle with as a follower mm-hmm. was to understand why would someone literally die and take on some of the worst torture that's ever existed for me and or others. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And it was in wrestling with that, beginning to understand the resolve was uh, the most famous verse in all of scripture, for God so loved the whole world, Mm -hmm. like cosmos, every living inhabitant, like I'm included in that, you're included in that, our listeners are included in that. And at such a deep level, I felt the love of God through his sacrifice, right? Jesus says, Mm -hmm. there's no greater love than the one who lays down his life for a friend, well, if that's the case, then Jesus sees me as a friend, as a brother, as uh, and I was worthy to die for. And when we can begin to wrestle, with, we don't have to understand it completely, because frankly, it's just sometimes incomprehensible to understand that mm-hmm. type of love. But at its base form, we can go, "Wow, that is incredible love, radical love, undeserving love," and the fact that He did that for me. And I think there's some. That maybe maybe they haven't experienced the love of God, or it's been a while that they've experienced the love of God that they need to be reminded or explore that love.
1: I have that uh, thought you know we were talking about um, you're talking about what's the next steps. Do you think, and this is a thought that I've had that it's hard for us to walk in agape love because as some humans, We've never experienced it. And when we thought we experienced it, we've been hurt by that. So so it's almost um, we've put on this shield, right? Um, yeah, I'm saved. I, I, that's awesome. But I am not going to put my foot on the water because I just know a shark's going to get me. And, and Jesus, you stay out on the water. That's fine. I'm going to stay here safe in the boat. I have a guaranteed ticket. Yeah, am I going to make it by the skin of my teeth? Great, but I am I am not taking a step on that water with you because I remember when I was hurt by XYZ. I remember when I tried to show love and, and I was rejected, I was mocked, I was made fun of. I'm hurt, so it's hard for me to keep moving forward. And so I, I wonder if, you know, this, the, the next step we you know we talk about being saved is like how do we get to next people like for me it was letting go of the anger and letting Jesus come into my heart right that I broke away those those shackles that were around my around me and I would I would like to think that people would see me walk in love and that anger and people would be like you used to do that yeah I used to do that but I'm saved and redeemed and I'm walking closer and closer every day. Have I been hurt? Absolutely, but I don't do it for for human gratification. I do it because I want my love to show the love that Jesus has given me. Mm. So, so I, I'm getting around to it. But do you think, in your mind's eye, when we are talking about this, that the hurt of giving our hearts? Often slow us down to love others, right? Like this protection.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think I mean I can think of things for sure. I mean, I there's things in my family right now that I'm I'm dealing with that you would think as a family we wouldn't experience this type of maybe pain. Mm-hmm. And so, in whatever the element that might be, there's an element. There's an element, I think, that we struggle with as humans, as you were kind of alluding to, is because we've been hurt, mm-hmm. therefore we we struggle with trust. Yeah. That you're actually going to love me without motive uh, or without manipulation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what Jesus is getting at here is saying, like, hey, like, when you— like like around like the portion of giving your oath there's no need for you to swear by your mother's grave or cross my heart hope to die pinky swear yeah bad. i mean you're you're literally yeah freaky <laughs> swear you're literally asking you know damnation to come on you yeah. in, in that where jesus is saying listen just say what you mean yeah and don't swear about it i swear on you know swear to god i you know what you right. know like and that's not just a taken in vain piece but like the idea behind doing that is to is to create manipulation Mm -hmm. and what he's saying is that that's not that of the kingdom and so our minds when we are when we experience crazy radical love from others we go what's the agenda right or when's the shoe gonna drop or Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna really give it all back because i don't feel this is real or right or you Mm -hmm. know we may even see that in our own marriages which man that stinks if if that's really the case and Mm -hmm. i mean i I say it's things that I've experienced that when I'm within my own marriage at times, Mm -hmm. especially early on, where it's like, Mm -hmm. is this really unconditional love? I don't know. know? And so for sure, I think that can definitely hinder us in our in our experience and in our pursuit of union with God, Mm -hmm. because all of our experiences or there are earthly experiences are based on er earthly people.
1: Yeah. And
0: so. Definitely. I guess I I would just say yes. I think that that was definitely one of the things that may hinder us from mm. truly understanding God's love, or mm. uh, maybe discrediting actually God's love, or prohibiting us to actually contemplate on God's love. For the sure.
1: Th- the thing I um, when I've worked with teenagers and uh, kids, you know, I've been in ministry a long time, and you know, we often talk about um, how God's our Father, right? And and the biggest hanging up that I've dealt with and doing ministry with with teenagers, with people in general is that we we say God is our Heavenly Father, right? And so many times I've seen so many kids hurt by their father. Yep. And so it's hard to make that distinction. Like, my earthly father is non-existent, has been abusive, has done all these things to me, but yet... You, Ben, you're telling me to love God because he's my father. And so and so. there's often this, uh, this um, hurt with, uh, with being a father. And so as I've walked through life, especially for me the last month, it's like with my own kids. Am I doing a good job showing in the agape love of God in my life? And in, in my, in, Am I doing my best to love my children the same way? And I I don't want to be a hindrance to my kids' is walk because they had a bad experience with their father, right? Yeah. And, and so, so just doing ministry that that connection of God being our heavenly Father and our earthly fathers. I've seen that played out where that broken love has caused a a um a it's a gap. It's a gap.
0: Yeah, it's a gap, and that's where I think. To reiterate, from a couple of weeks ago, the importance of scripture in trusting it to be true, mm-hmm. allowing that to b- utilize that as the truth that dictates our feelings. One of the things that y- you talk about that as a as a parent, man, I I've, I haven't been a parent very long, mm-hmm. um, seven years, and that's one of the things that I pray for a lot. Is that especially after I I knew I missed the mark. Mm-hmm my prayer is God, please transcend your love in this moment where I have broken or have not displayed your love. Right. And I was literally praying today about that. Um, you know, just there's some things going on with one of our kids and, and it's one of those things. I just want her to see the love of God. This is Mm -hmm. some, you know, once again, I mentioned family. There's some, some things happen within my extended family and I'm praying for the same thing. It's, People have said and done some things that are really hard to deal with, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be the guy who showed up at the mall (laughs) when you were 16 with blue hair. Yeah. I want to be Jesus who showed up in the healing of my depression. Yeah. I want to be the Jesus that when I was contemplating at 26, 27 years old of him dying on the cross for for all the ugly things that I had done and was Mm -hmm. going to do. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think – You know, when we encourage people to go and experience the love of God, one of the practices that I I picked up—I don't—I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it, not even close—but when I spend extended time in prayer, one of the things that I've um, started—that was encouraged by uh, someone else—was to practice expressing your love for God. Yeah. And what I found in practicing that is that. I'm then overwhelmed by his love for me because mm-hmm. the, idea, the idea of practicing that is saying, God, this is why I love you. And you begin to list those things, and whether it's things that have happened to you, situations, maybe it's an inner disposition. God, thank you for joy that I'm experiencing mm-hmm. today. And I love you for that joy. Mm-hmm. I love you for whatever um, it might be for whoever's you know practicing that. And what I found is that through that small little practice of loving God, that I feel and I'm reminded of why he loves me. Mm. And I think that is such an important thing, practice, discipline, but even concept within our faith, is to constantly come to the place of discovering and experiencing the love of God. Actually, I think about that Asbury revival that just concluded. I think about the sermon that was preached. I didn't watch all of it, but the one clip at the very end was this young guy preaching and simply mm. saying like you need to experience the love of God. And what happened was an outpouring that lasted for weeks and people are selling their cars from different countries to fly here and to go yeah. to this revival. I mean a wild, you know, explosion of some, of mm-hmm. something awesome. And it was all de- a derivative of experiencing the love of God. And I think when we begin to experience and not, not under not, Experience it in the sense of logical and in, from an intellectual knowledge level, yeah. but from a core, deep place within us, mm-hmm. our our soul, our heart. You know everything that's that is what makes us us. Yeah. Then I think transformation is literally on the horizon, and the type of person that Jesus is getting at is saying that when when we get to the heart, ma- the heart of the matter, when we get to this part. You know, because th- you know, that's the thing, is that when I, you know, I look at these six, you know, let's call them case studies, mm-hmm. that Jesus shared with us, are they hard and difficult? You know, yeah, absolutely yeah. they are. Yeah, They are very hard, but they're extremely hard if you've never been or you're not very transformed in the depths of your inner being yeah, or in your thoughts, your feelings, your assurances, your dispositions. If you've never been permeated with mm-hmm. the agape love of God, but what I've also discovered is once transformation does begin to set in, the type of person this type of person that Jesus has just got done sharing with us is now not as hard. No. And actually what is hard is the way you acted before you were transformed by this love of God. because as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you're reminded, you remind yourself not from a place of guilt or shame or condemnation, but look how far God has carried me. Yep. Without him, I am nothing. I am nothing. And I think that begins to help us walk towards the love of God, mm-hmm. towards transformation, where these things, these practices, mm-hmm. where it's anger, it's lust, it's divorce, oath, revenge, hate, these illustrations of being a good person is now no longer dictated by the external actions because the internal disposition has now changed where the external is now being affected.
1: Do you want to know like uh, my personal marker? Like I, when I, when I can tell that I'm doing well is uh, uh, when you go to, I know some of us have active minds when we try to go to sleep, right? And so many times in our lives, we, we, kind of relive the day, right? And I've always thought this isn't so if I'm not walking with God and if I'm falling into this path of of what you've talked about, lust, retaliation, oaths, I I often find myself thinking about the mishaps of the day and the wrongs that have been brought against me as I lay my head to sleep, right? And so if I'm If I'm thinking that way, when I put my head on my pillow, I know I'm not walking in agape love because that's my marker. That's my personal like Mm. check. Okay. But I know if I could lay my head on my pillow and I can go to sleep and I'm not thinking about any of these things, like reliving all this in my life, that's it that I know. So that's my personal marker. Like, you know, my my fuel tank. Oh how well you go to sleep? Yeah, it, it, my fuel tank, all right? Am I running on empty and I'm on full? So if I can put my head on my pillow and I'm not reliving the day, I'm not thinking about past hurts, I'm not thinking about past girlfriends, if I'm not thinking about pa- retaliation, ooh, that person wronged me today, ooh, I'm so angry that I didn't say that, ooh, I'm so angry that this happened to me, if I could just put my head on my pillow and I'm out, I'm just thinking about random Simpsons Mm. quotes and making myself giggle and I go to sleep, I'm in a good place. Right. And so that is my personal marker. I don't know what your personal marker is.
0: I don't know if I have one yet, but that when you're saying that, it talks about the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Absolutely. And what's, that's an interesting, I I, want to give it some more thought because this is, I mean, this is, me responding without knowing that uh, before, you know, we didn't talk about this before we hit the record button. Mm -hmm. But in that is, that's interesting to me that maybe that's not in a a pat yourself on the back, but as you evaluate your day, to have peace about the day and to go, did I live with this agape love? Did I Mm -hmm. experience this agape love? Did I give this agape love? All those things, that I became more like the person that Jesus has described in Matthew five twenty one through forty eight. Mm-hmm. Am I becoming? Am I am I becoming a type of person who's growing and maturing? And if there's a piece about that, yeah, that could definitely be. That's interesting, and that's awesome. That I appreciate you sharing that because that might resonate with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I think that's good to think through in general too, as we evaluate. You know, as we evaluate our our day or days or weeks or whatever is to do that in contemplation with the Holy spirit to help us see where was the mark missed? Mm-hmm. Where do we need to grow and mature in? You know, I can think of so many things in my apprenticeship journey that have yet to fully be surrendered that, you know, you talk about anger you dealt with a long time ago, yeah. like anger is one of those things that I'm constantly dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, contempt is something, you know, contempt for others and in, in it's, it's one of those things that has riddled me for for decades. You know, mm. I can think of it as a, as a kid, you know. It, now it doesn't come out and, you know, putting holes in closet doors or any of that <laughs> stuff now. But When I it, played you know, football,
1: Matt, I used to write fear me on my knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you met Jesus. I'm so glad I did too. That's right. <laughs>
0: But I think that's I think that's good that's like maybe a good place for us to jump off uh, for today is just to think and be reminded that that to be transformed, we must engage the love of God, to Absolutely. contemplate His actions towards us and allow that to manifest itself from our inner core being at our very depth so that our thoughts, our feelings, our attitude, our assurances, our dispositions are truly transformed. Mm-hmm. because when those are affected by the love of God, they affect our, visible actions, our external actions, the things that are viewed by others, which we'll get to here, uh, and then in the next week for our message, Jesus kind of talks about the approval of others, we'll get into some fun conversation there, but for you and I, Mm -hmm. anyone that's listening, apprentices of Jesus, we should be that of the person who is constantly trying to grow and mature in the love of Christ, to be Mm -hmm. brought to completeness and wholeness, that is already existing in Jesus and on our Heavenly Father
1: yeah I, I just if God can transform a broken hurt angry person like me and and someone who wants to walk closer and closer with God and show love it's possible for anyone and if anyone's out there listening that just wants to reach out to Matt and I and just say hey I'm dealing with this pray for me Man, we got you. We've walked it. You know the great thing about our Rolling Hills staff is that what what we teach, we walked at some point. We're not. And I always I always say, you know, if I'm if you feel like I'm pointing a finger at you, I have three more pointing back at me. Hmm. And so, wait, as we, you point with. Two fingers? No. So I'm pointing at you and I have three fingers pointing No, oh, that at, makes and, sense. Yeah. I had to visibly, if you're seeing, <laughs> we're sitting here
0: making finger guns right now. <laughs> so three fingers are yeah, pointing I'm back at it. me. I always heard the if one's pointing at you, four are pointing back at you, but that's not actually possible. You'd have to point with your thumb. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry. I, I've
1: never pointed anyone with my thumb. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard
0: that's not good. That's not a good idea. Yeah. And I, so, don't I don't know. I don't know. So
1: so we love you and uh we've walked the walk we've dealt with lust and i'm so glad
0: you said that because probably what our listeners need to know is that when i preached on the murder a couple weeks ago and where jesus is really getting at anger and contempt Mm -hmm. and venomous language Mm -hmm. there was something that happened in my life where i was literally having to wrestle with responding with either Anger and contempt, yeah, or that of being the person who's transformed by Jesus, and it wasn't just a moment that Mm. I had to make that decision every day because it was a pretty big deal in the life of our family. Mm. That how do I respond with the love of God? How do I respond not with anger or contempt, Mm. but as a person who's truly been transformed by this love of God? Yeah, and even having conversations with you know other family members about this is. This is absolutely important because my dad actually asked me the question. He goes, think of the worst thing you ever did. Don't tell me what it was, (laughs) but think of the worst thing you've ever done. And how do you think Jesus responded to you in that? Mm -hmm. And for me, like, I met Jesus in this most loving and compassionate way in one of those moments where it was some of the worst stuff that I've ever done. And it wasn't like, um, you know, it's okay, all your consequences are now aside because mm-hmm. you've asked for forgiveness no there was hard consequences I had to work through mm-hmm. but it was there was you know it's Romans 8 1 there's no there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ mm-hmm. he does not meet us with that he meets us with love and compassion and so mm-hmm. in talking about this issue and our family was coming with this idea of like we need to treat these people with the same love and compassion that Christ has given us mm-hmm. you know C.S. Lewis talks about you know forgiveness And not that we're talking about that, but he says essentially is that to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because the inexcusable has already been forgiven in us. Mm -hmm. And the same is true about whatever feelings is how do we respond in love? That's why he Mm -hmm. addresses it with love, hate and revenge and anger and divorce. Like a heart that's hardened cannot be transformed. So allow the love of God to bring softening to you. And so maybe that's a great place to jump off. We would encourage you wherever you are listening to this week to come to God, to experience the love of God, ask for God to show you his love, whether that's through scripture, through a conversation, through a reminder of something amazing that's happened in your life. And we just want to thank you for being a part of our Abundant Life podcast. We want to invite you wherever you're listening, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to us if you write a review for this episode and give us a rating. This would help us get the word out to others who are aspiring to be an apprentice of Jesus. We're on we're on an incredible journey. Jesus has said, "Come, follow me, and I will show you how to be fishers of men." Like that probably opens up a whole other can of teaching. But in that is we've we've been invited as open invitation by Jesus, who was considered a rabbi, who still is based on his teachings, which is a teacher. And we are as a church walking in this way of saying, "Jesus, be our teacher." Show us how to live this life, that of the kingdom of God, because we want to have deep union with you and our heavenly father. And so help us, it'll get the word out. And we want to, we just know that we're praying for you, wherever you are listening. If you're a part of Rolling Hills, if you're listening to other parts of the world, we're so glad that you're a part of this journey with us. So until next time, as we always say, be blessed.